stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, look, as most of you know, uh, Calgary, not just Calgary, obviously, Alberta, Canada, North America, in the midst of an opioid addiction crisis with no apparent end in sight. And maybe you know because you've heard the coverage. Maybe you know because you've been affected or you know someone who's been affected by this. And I suspect many of you do. All options seem to be on the table. Maybe at this point need to be on the table. Uh, because this is a, a tremendous challenge we're facing. And there's no easy fix here. There's no easy answer to all of this. One of the ideas that's been put on the table is the idea of decriminalization, which would change our approach to drug users and the question of drug possession. It doesn't mean necessarily that law enforcement stop going after the traffickers and the dealers. But for people who are using, and in particular those caught in the grips of addiction, is dealing with them in the justice system the best way to help them? Do we need to approach that side of it as more of a medical issue? It's it's an unorthodox way of approaching this. The federal government, for example, despite pressure from within their own party to to take this approach, have have so far rejected doing so. Uh, Interestingly, though, Calgary's police chief, Roger Chaffin, says he's open to this, or at least exploring how this might work. And I wanted to find out a bit more about how Calgary police are dealing with this situation and what ideas might need to be on the table. Very pleased to welcome the program. Calgary's chief of police, Roger Chaffin. Chief, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, and thanks for making some time for us here. When you're asked to describe this situation we're, we're dealing with in, in Calgary, how, how do you describe it? Well, I mean, it's something uh, that's been unique in, uh, to Calgary, but, but it's starting to happen all over North America. And I think it's one of those issues that really points out just how incomplete uh, our approaches are if all we can do is try to arrest our way through it. And there's as a real big cry for a much more uh, intense and collaborative solution than what we might be currently using. How much discretion does do individual police departments have, though, when it comes to, to prioritizing and, and making decisions about how to deal with various aspects of this problem? Well, we have a considerable amount of discretion ability. Uh, the challenge really for us is how to exercise that discretion and where to uh, connect these people to. Yeah. You know, the amount of beds available in the city, the amount of treatment centers, that sort of thing is, you can see our, our charges for possessions are way down, but it's just the complexity about where to take people if, in fact, they are uh, amenable to other solutions. Right, and in, in some cases, maybe they're, they're not looking for help, right? In some cases, maybe they are. I mean, do you have to look at each situation on a kind of, you know, a case-by-case basis? Yeah, that's the reality for people to get is that the addicted brain it, it doesn't function logically, obviously. So it's the when the person's ready, when the opportunity is there to uh, redirect this person and connect them to community-based care. Uh, if that opportunity is available, we should be able to do that. And if we have to wait for 90 days or you know or longer, uh, expecting that person to be ready uh, downstream like that is is highly unlikely. All right. So decriminalization. What do you make of that that idea, that concept? Well, like you, I've certainly heard that conversations happening politically in the community about it. And my, my concern is this, and my point of trying to make is this, is that talking about decriminalization before you've talked about the rest of the solutions by saying simply by legalizing the drug, somehow that would make us safer, 
is fraught with problems and is illogical. I, I think at this point I'd say I'm, I'm open to the discussion when we've discussed the rest of it, when we've been able to say what are we going to do as a community, what are our investments in, within the private sector, within the public sector, within the orders of government, what are we going to do to confront this problem that is not going to go away by itself, it's not going to fatigue itself away, it's going to be a persistent issue for us. And and if we could answer those questions well, if we could have a really good community-based solution, then you can talk about things like decriminalization where, where it makes make sense, where you actually know you have better solutions at play. And right now we struggle with that. We struggle with access to mental health care, with addiction care, with the amount of funding is necessary in community and the belief from community that this is the right way to go. Right. But I mean, you would agree with, with the point that, that for someone, especially in the throes of addiction, to charge them with possession and put them into the criminal justice system might not be the best way to get them the help they need. Well, I would say it's the, it's the opposite of the best way. It's probably creating harm for them that, than it is creating solutions. I think we know that what the addict needs is help and support. Incarcerating them or creating more toxic stress for them likely will uh, exasperate their issues that are leading to addictions or whatever else, else they're struggling from. Yeah, and and I mean there are groups out there who, who do that. There was, and I heard earlier today with Danielle Smith, the executive director of the Alberta Adolescent Recovery Center, and he talked about uh, how the Calgary Police Service, you know, maintains communication with them. That that that's an important part of this conversation is is including all of these these different organizations. Yep. If you have a chance to meet the people from ARC or from any other centers in the city and see the families that are struggling, so see the real people, the real pain and hurt and trauma that is, found, that is the, the, the premise of these addictions, you will think differently about where solutions come from. And there's always going to be a place for law, but you need these people need support and help. Right. And so, as you say, possession charges in, in Calgary are certainly down. Does that allow law enforcement to focus more on the supply side and to go after the, the dealers and the traffickers? Well, you know, it's certainly it's not a trade-off. It's more of a case thing that we have options on how to support people. I think the there are two different streams for sure. But one of the things now, the laws that exist now certainly allow us to have, come into contact with these people that might need support, might need us to separate them from their drugs. Uh, I like to believe this, that if an addict needed help, uh, CPS is an avenue for support. It's not just we're not coming to create harm. We can come to create solutions as well. And using what you see is that discretion being used now that we can actually do some different things. But there are times when the criminal charge might be our best avenue to support that person as well. And it's just that's, that's the only tool you have in community. It's simply been proven over and over again. It's not the right tool by itself. Uh, we need more. We need a more thorough approach to this as a community. All right, because ultimately the goal here is to to save lives, right? Yes, uh, and actually attaching to public safety is quite logical. If uh, you know these addicted people are struggling in their lives and they struggle with many issues, it's not just addiction; they'll struggle with many things. If they're committing crimes as a result of that uh, dysfunctional behavior they're going through and that brain illness they're experiencing, uh, and the, the strong hypothesis would be if they got healthier, the crime trends would drop with it. Uh, and you can have this approach to public safety through a more robust community wellness uh, strategy. And there's some reason to believe we could actually accomplish all this at the same time. Right, because I think if we look at trends in the last year or two, I mean, property crimes, vehicle thefts, these sorts of things where we've seen a spike, a, a lot of that is attributable to this, this opioid situation. That would be a very strong hypothesis to suggest these rise and those crimes have a direct relationship to the amount of addiction going on and the amount of vulnerability going on. And if they're healthier, the levels of recidivism drop, and we're able to deal with the, with the, with the repeat crime issues by getting people back into a, a, a healthier stream of life. 
I think it's the implication, too. I mean, that puts a strain on the resources of, of any police service. And certainly we know full well about, uh, about what the justice system is dealing with and, and delays in the justice system. So in terms of, of it being a resource question, does it almost force you then to, to prioritize? Yes, we have lots of discussions going on currently with the provincial government, for instance, on restorative justice means things we could do outside of justice that might create solutions. And that the, the programs we're trying, but we need more communities to be part of that discussion because uh, that is part of the resource and the economics issue as well. If we could, uh, we could do a better job of lowering the repeat offenders and the recidivist offenders by getting them healthy. Uh, we, we've done across sectors, we've done a, a, a good amount of work. They're also a burden on the health system. They'll be a burden on family and social services. They're a burden on justice. Uh, we could probably do a better job across it all if we thought about how to get them healthier in an earlier instant. Right. One of the approaches we're, we're trying in, in both Calgary and Edmonton is uh, supervised consumption, where you know it, it involves the healthcare system trying to prevent overdoses, trying to prevent uh, you know the spread of disease, et cetera. Is the Calgary Police Service supportive of that approach, and, and what's been the experience thus far from your perspective? Yeah, I'm supportive of it. I think it's uh, what it is. At least the what's going on in Alberta now is an opportunity to get people into a clinical setting and you know help them be safe in that moment when they're using these drugs. But by through that, by developing trust with them and their caregivers and the people that are supporting them, when they're ready for to talk about treatment, when they're in that moment, they know they can trust us and move forward, then we can create a long-term solution for them or get them in a long-term solution uh, opportunity. So those sites make a difference. The volume of people that are attending those sites, the kind of critical issues they've seen, are important, but the big picture is can we get them into a treatment cycle? By themselves, the sites don't equate to treatment, but when we're in those settings, we, we know we can get people where they need to be. Yeah, and I know this is something your colleagues across the country are talking about too, the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police, and, and they've been looking into this issue and the question of, of decriminalization. What's what's the conversation happening the, like with, with the your colleagues across the country? I, I sit as a vice president of the CACP, so I think... Uh, at a board level and a membership level, they're all challenged with this idea. It's a bit different from region to region about the volume they're seeing, but I think we all quite believe that many of these problems, whether it be addictions or mental health, are not best handled by us. They're not sort of a solution that's created by our officers attending chaotic situations and trying to manage these things. And they simply believe that as a group, we could do better as a community if we uh, work together on solutions like this. So addictions and mental health, has been a call for many years that we need to find uh, something we can do outside of our authorities. And we're getting traction slowly, but this is a call for more. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there, Chief. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. You bet, Rob. Look after yourself. Yeah, you too. Thanks again. Uh, that is Roger Chaffin, uh, Chief of Police uh, here in, in Calgary. 974-8255. What do you make of his comments? What do you make of the idea of decriminalization? You know, taking the user out of the justice system and hopefully dealing with them from a, a healthcare approach. It's known as the Portuguese model, and, and I think in Portugal they had a lot of success with this. Is that applicable to a country like Canada? I mean, it may or may not be, but I think the results in, in Portugal speak for themselves in terms of the reduction in overdose death, the reduction uh, in diagnosis of HIV and, and hepatitis and the like. So it, it certainly seems to work in that sense. But are people okay with it? And should it be a priority right now, especially with what we're facing in the justice system, to clog it up with drug addicts? Is that what these people need? People who are in the throes of addiction, does it help them at all to put them into the justice system? Do we think that that's a sufficient deterrent? 
or people even using drugs in the first place. I mean, the moment, it doesn't really seem to be. And I think if you look at the reason why people are ending up in this situation, does, does a deterrent even make sense in that context? Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.